Hello and welcome to Tutorial Stories, LCF's In Conversation series in which we invite in someone who works in or with fashion and have to bring in an item from their work or their wardrobe and we use that as the basis of the conversation to show you how much an object can say about someone in their practice. My name is Susanna Cordner, I'm Senior Research Fellow of Archives here at LCF and I'm joined by Jenny Cossoms, Chief Partnership Officer at LIST. Hi Jenny, thank you Hi, for joining good us. good morning. <laughs> thank you um, for having me. So as part of that intro, I've kind of flagged up the ideas we have for people from different perspectives and portions of the industry in with us. Um, so kind of to get us started, if you could describe your role, your practice, what it entails. Yeah, fantastic. sure. So maybe if I just quickly tell you what LIST is in case yeah. people aren't aware, and then I'll tell you a bit more about my role. So LIST, spelled L-Y-S-T, I have to spell it all the time, but um, <laughs> List is uh, basically a global fashion search platform. So if you know what you want or you have a rough idea, so if you're like, I want this Gucci skirt, mm -hmm. what we do is provide the opportunity to bring all of the stores and retailers and brands and boutiques in one place to make it easy to find it. Mm. So imagine like a very specialist Google or yeah. like a Spotify for fashion. So the whole concept <laughs> is I know what I want. Yeah. Where can I get it? And we and then you can sort of browse from all the places you can get it so you can find your right size, your right price, all of these things. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I've been with the business about four years, and my role as chief partnerships officer is to focus on the acquisition and the retention of all of the uh, supply, the brands that you see on the site. So really, it's my responsibility to make sure that I have what people are looking for. Mm. So I look for two things when we look at the platform. I look at search volume. So if mm. people are searching for something, we want to have it. Yeah. And then the other uh, the other area is obviously the revenue potential because mm. um, that's our business model is that we get a commission on every sale that's made. Yeah, so, sure. So, yeah. Which is no small undertaking because I read... 4 million fashion products from 12,000 brands and stores. That's a lot of yeah, I think it's like 5 million now. Oh We're pretty gosh. busy. Um, and when I joined, it's actually been the most amazing journey and something mm. that if someone had told me at the beginning this is what it would be like, I might have had a mild heart attack. But it was... Um, <laughs> I started and there was one other person in the team in, in we were wow. based in London in the White Cube Gallery in Shortage, but we have an office in New York. I had one other person and I'd never worked in a startup before ever. So mm. that was quite an interesting leap. And mm. uh, and it's a tech startup. So half the business is data scientists, engineers, and it was 50 people when I joined. It's about going to be about 150 Fantastic. this that year. Quick growth. So big growth. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, when I started, we had about 250 partners and now we have about 750. Mm. So lots wow. of work. That's hard work. <laughs> That's lots of people. And now I have a team of 25. So, yeah. so yeah, quite, yeah. quite fun journey. So. Yeah, absolutely. And to keep all those relationships going both internally and externally, it must be a juggling act. Um, so could you run us through your career up to that point? So you said that's your first startup. I kind mm -hmm. of uh, gathered when I was prepping on you that you're drawn to newness and kind of creating new templates on your experience. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun thinking about having this conversation with you because I was like, what is a commenter? What is, you yeah. know, what, what am I all about? And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, again, I think, I don't know how long your podcast is. You probably could have this for like four hours, me talking about all the things I've done because I'm super Sounds excited good. about it. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure your listeners are like, I got to go to work. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the journey itself uh, has been a really interesting one. Um, so, I mean, we were talking before I came in. I was super excited to meet you because, you know, we have, I think, a shared interest in love of uh, history of, of mm. everyday objects. So my original plan, my original goal um, in my career was to be a museum curator. Mm -hmm. So I went and got um, a master's degree 
at Cooper Hewitt Museum, which is basically the U.S. equivalent of the VNA, yeah. um, owned by the Smithsonian. And but I had it's a bit weird because I had a degree from Parsons School of Design as well as the New School for Social Research and the Cooper Hewitt. So I don't know why they wanted it to be like three things. But, <laughs> so it's very long. So if I tell someone I went to Parsons, they're like, "Oh my God, you're a designer." I'm like, "No, yeah, no, no yeah. I'm you know historian." <laughs> it's an amalgamation. So I did. Uh, so I really focused on two areas. So it was the history of decorative arts. So it's the history of furniture, ceramics. Mm. Uh, textiles and my specialty was 19th century American furniture oh, and 16th century Italian ceramics Gorgeous. and you wouldn't think it I grew up in West Virginia I grew up in a really small town it's mm. not like a normal thing to just yeah. go oh I'm going to study furniture yeah <laughs> um but I just was one of those things I've had real blips of calling in my career where you sort of have this warm feeling where you're like it's like a magnet you know mm. you have to do it. I've had it a few times I've had it uh, definitely when I wanted to go and study decorative arts and I've had it when I wanted to work when I was going to go work at Net-A-Porte and I've had it when I met the founder Chris Morton of List mm -hmm. so there's kind of little moments okay. of blips where you're just like I just it's this like is a, a this is me. it it's yeah. has, you know it's like a an intrinsic feeling mm -hmm. I can't really explain it it sounds super like Oprah spiritual but no, um, it's interesting to trust I've yeah I've read quite a lot recently about trusting mm -hmm. your instincts and yeah. being an underestimated I think now we've become so practical and so sort of tech heavy tech heavy that everything has to be mapped out for you but sometimes you have an instinct particularly when it's based on a passion which and I was excited to meet you yeah. as well because everything you seem to have like a really sincere energy about everything you did from <laughs> that's from really nice to hear to. I mean anybody um, that so. knows me will know I'm a horrible poker player I really can't <laughs> lie it's quite funny that I've sort of been in more of like a, a salesy yeah. role my whole career because I'm the worst liar in the world yeah sure but you're sales from a partnership perspective so it's mm. about building relationships so I think that yeah. sincerity and that passion runs through if it was you know I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm yeah. sure you have if it's analytical and number mm. focused as well, mm. but you have to partner, literally partner that um, I think, with relationships. I think you with have to really believe it and love mm. it to do it well. And I think people, like even, you know, young people today, mm. they can smell yes a mile yeah. off. Um, you know, you have to really be true to that. And I think, you know, you'd asked earlier about drawn to newness. And it's funny, I, I, if someone had, you know, this whole idea of plot making a plan, I don't, mm. I've never had a plan yeah. um, at all, other than I'm, I'm quite uh, organized in type A, which is a bit incongruous, the sort mm. of two things. But I think the common thread I found in my, at least my career in fashion and beauty in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years has been um, really about a desire to build something, mm -hmm. you know, very, and I don't consider myself entrepreneurial, but when I look back, I'm like, I guess yeah. I must be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's just the idea of I love hard work. I love <laughs> creating something from nothing. And I love going at the end and going, oh my God, look at this. This mm. is amazing. Like I love achieving. I love hitting targets. I love yeah. the kind of building of something. Mm. And a lot of times the only way to do that is to come into something new. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's you know, so exciting. So that's been really fun. And then, so again, decorative arts, blah, 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 fundraising for a bit. I worked for Harvard University, mm. a bit weird. You know, I want to sort of you know, edit my time, but then uh, ended up coming to the UK. Uh, my husband is English, mm -hmm. so I met him on my junior year abroad at King's College here, yeah. which was really sweet. Mm -hmm. We did not stay together the whole time, but um, <laughs> I mean, you know, reconnected later when I was working for Harvard. And then really my first real fashion job um, was at Condé Nast around mm -hmm. the corner, so yeah. it's quite nice to be in this, <laughs> in in this neighborhood. <laughs> and it was a real, it's, I actually have to say it because it's so funny, it it's, was very old school at the time. Okay. Um, and, you know, had one of the best experiences in the world. But just to give you some context, I 
met someone who'd worked at Condé Nast and I said, oh God, you know, I have this kind of commercial salesy background, but I also still love beautiful things and I mm. want to be around people that are making these, you know, yes. this creative environment, but I practically need to like, you know, make a living. So mm. how, and so I met someone that worked at Condé Nast and she was very sweet. I think she worked at Brides Magazine. Mm. And, and so she said, oh, talk to Susanna Amor, who was the head of HR at the time. And Susanna was very old school mm. and very Condé Nast of the time. And this was, I mean, I joined, God, when did I join Condé Nast? 2002. Mm -hmm. And I was originally meant to uh, be interviewing for Vanity Fair display advertising. Okay. And I was like, okay, I've never done ad sales. Yeah. I don't know anything, but I'll go in. And then we went to the interview and they were like, oh, God, you know, we like you, but we don't really know what to do with you. We're going to put you with the internet group, you know, the website. And I was like, okay. And because I had worked for, uh, at the Science Museum, I sort of had worked with a lot of the tech entrepreneurs of the okay. time, like Brent Hope. You know, it was that kind of thing where people were like, the internet is a thing. And yeah. I was like, okay. So I, I felt like that was finger on the pulse. I was like, okay, that could be really interesting. Yeah, I'm ahead of the curve here. And the role was supposed to be half contract publishing sales and half digital. And I just thought, okay. And of course mm. that didn't work out to be. And I think at that point we had three people in the digital team. Wow. So my job was to sell all the website advertising for all of the, the uh, online titles. So it was mm -hmm. Vogue, Glamour, GQ, Traveler, Vanity Fair. It's like eight portfolio. Yeah. And it was so much fun because you could go to clients, you know, go to Chanel and go, yeah. oh, you want to reach young women and men. Okay, well, I've got GQ and I've got Glamour and I've yeah. got Vogue. And so you could cross sell and it was really fun. Yeah. Um, but what was crazy was how, you know, we were in this tiny office. No one really wanted to talk to us. I remember <laughs> getting into the lift one time and Isabella Blow came in and she's like, where do you work? And she had like a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> It was very glamorous. Amazing. I was like, ah. And I was like, oh, I work in the online team. She's like, what is this online? And like <laughs> ran off in a flurry of smoke. And I was like, oh my God, no one knows anything about what's happening. Yeah. If and only she could know the amount of the yeah, internet that's now dedicated. It was crazy. And the magazines would try and give away free online ads. Really? Like, oh yeah, whatever, this website stuff. And by the time I left, you know, eight years later, they were, it was, yeah. it was the reverse, right? Yeah. So there were 200 people in the team. I mean, right. a lot of my friends are still there. And it was really interesting <coughs> uh, to see that movement of something that was like kind of like oh whatever let's see this sure. thing may come to something to then becoming really the biggest growth you know one of the bigger growth areas absolutely and to see and that process through to see it and to live it and to you know be in meetings where the editor of Wired was explaining what Twitter was to people <laughs> to editor it was a very surreal you know that idea of like technology sure. and fashion kind of uniting was yeah. really fun and I think it's amazing to document that and to discuss that because now it's mm. just so accepted and it's such a it, you know, majority of brands operate almost entirely through digital. Yeah. And to think of it being something that you've got to kind of convert people to. Um, I mean, it took me, stuff. I got to be honest with you, two years to get yeah. uh, Prada to do an yeah. online ad. You know, they were just like, oh, I don't know. <coughs> that, I mean, it's it. funny. There are certain businesses that were very forward thinking at that time. So there was Gucci, Burberry, really in early. Okay. Um, Chanel really in early. So it's funny. I think people often will go, oh, they're, you know, very traditional. Actually, they're very groundbreaking. Yeah. And they did a really interesting campaign at that time with like MSN, which was mm. a big thing at the time. And yeah. so I think, you know, there are really interesting things that, you know, and I, again, you know, it was interesting just to see who has budgets, you know, lots was, of stuff with like P&G. I was like, yeah, okay, you know, yeah. cars. So it was a really interesting thing just to see the commerciality of what people would spend where. Sure, sure. And therefore, what they anticipated this new platform and audience to be able to do for them. Yeah. I'm really interested in that. So was that mm -hmm. with the brands that were easy to convert? Do you yeah. think that was an internal 
um, internal research or draw from them that they were already interested in the internet? Or do you think that was, okay, fine, we're putting our trust in Vogue, in Condé Nast, in this name? I think we were really lucky because Vogue, Condé Nast, you know, these brands are super powerful. And, you know, it was one of those things where, if I'm honest, it was probably, even though it was hard, like, internally to convince people of the validity of what we were doing, externally, honestly, it was the easiest sales job I ever had because all I was doing was like filling out insertion orders all the time. And the prices we were getting, I mean, when I tell people now, they're like, oh my God, that's insane. I mean, it was crazy pricing because there was nowhere else to go, right? Yeah. Which was interesting because that led obviously to my next opportunity at Net-A-Porter to provide another opportunity for luxury brands to reach an audience that they hadn't done before. Yeah. Um, So so I think, yeah, it was a really interesting time. Um, I think it was... I think, you know, you still found that there were people, I mean, I think it's very similar to what you see now where there are certain businesses that still know that, you know, e-commerce is important. They know Mm. that it will be bigger in the future, but if it's not over 40% of their business now, they're not going to invest the time. And I think that was very similar with digital advertising where it's like, yeah, I might put a little bit of a test budget here, but it's not going to be my full focus. I mean, and these were the days where, you know, I would have meetings and, and... you know, L'Oreal would have the intern be in charge of everything digital. It's like, I don't know, it's for these kids, let that kid do it. You know, and luckily these were really bright people. Yeah. But, you know, you did get the sense of like, this is something that the interns can, a bit yeah. like when, when social started and people yeah. were like, I don't get this crazy stuff. Let's yeah. let this person do it. And obviously it's like really one now, of the biggest things. So, you know, I think it takes people time to mm. get their head around things. Um I remember having a meeting, which I will not mention the retailer because I work with them now, but we were telling my team yesterday how, how far it's come because, you know, most of the people at List are, you know, 25. Mm. And, you know, when I tell them, they're like, oh, my God, that's bananas. And we had a meeting with a retailer about a big campaign. We're doing this online advertorial in Vogue. And I met with about 15 people in this in this amazing retailer. And we did the advertorial, and it was all about kind of an edits pick, you know, editor's pick. We loved an editor's pick in those days. We loved, like, top 10, whatever. And the whole idea was we picked items from the store, and then um, we would have, you know, I said, okay, well, we're going to link through to all the items. They went, oh, no, no, no. We don't want it to link anywhere. And I went, but then people will think it's broken because, you know, it's the Internet. (laughs) And they were like, no, 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 because if they click, they won't go into the store. That's and I was like, you guys are crazy. I was yeah, like, no, I promise this a, you. This is a separate set of This is separate and, secure. you know, you can actually augment. And yeah. I remember when we would get beauty brands on, it was when beauty, like you call, Estee Lauder was starting mm. to come online. And there was a real friction mm. between the counters in the store mm. and the online. And it was very similar to what I found with magazines and the digital properties. Because yeah. it was like, we're sort of competing for right. the same money. When the truth is... It was just With, different, yeah, and there was yeah. one big pot. And actually, if you do it together, yeah, and it you all find... goes, exactly. And in the end, it all comes back to the same yeah. source. Yeah, so I think it was a really good for me. It was a really good experience of kind of, kind of coming around the other side of naysayers. You know, mm. that idea of like whatever that's crazy to yeah. oh, this is a real thing. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things you're interested in building is support, perhaps. And kind yeah, of and you know what? I love a challenge. I love yeah. it when someone's like, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, yes, I can. Because <laughs> that is like red rag to a bull for someone like me. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, that's not happening. Because I'm very focused and, and driven. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, that's that's that was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And I still have friends there. And I still love it. And I still... You know, I still buy magazines, and yeah. certainly of my time, you know, I do really enjoy both the digital and the, and the print. Yeah, same. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy the physical object and the kind of experience of it. And, yeah. But I, there is absolutely space for both. So I'm that said, as a former Condé Nasty, yeah. I am very uh, excited about the changes that are happening there. I'm very happy to see 
Um, you know, as much as I, I think Alexander Shulman is amazing, mm-hmm. and I love that team, but I'm also excited to see Edward. I'm like, I'm liking seeing newness. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe same. it's back to that whole thing of like, I get bored fast, and I like to, you know, and I think it's really nice to see what I'm seeing in the pages is what I see around me in yeah. London every day. You know, I like to see the diversity. Yeah. I like to see the thought that is different. And I like to just see it moving forward because you can't go back. You always no. have to go ahead. Absolutely. So that's been really fun. And obviously I will always be proud to have been in that, in that amazing place. And, you know, Nicholas Coleridge is one of the most hilarious people I've ever <laughs> met or heard stories from in my whole life. So that was just a really fun chapter. But I will, I've told one funny story and then I'm going to move yeah, on, yeah, I promise. Yeah. No, no, no. Which was when they did my interview, you know, so I obviously got this job mm-hmm. and then I got the card. They wrote, at that point, they wrote cards on people, like okay. from their interview. And this is what mine said. And it really made me laugh because I remember my like boss at the, yeah, it was like, a, but it was like an index <laughs> card, like handwritten on index card. Yeah. And, um, and my boss at the time showed me, she's like, oh my God, Jenny, you have to see this. It's hilarious. This was your write up. And it said, Jenny Cossons. American, but not too American. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And that was quite funny as someone, you know, lived in England for a while. And then it was like, nice skin. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's obviously a requirement <laughs> yeah, to, to work here. But anyway, it just, it, that was just to give I you a reflection of the time. Yeah, exactly. In the context. It's funny how those um, kind of items of feedback and uh, that you're perhaps never meant to see end up being the ones that <laughs> steer you or stick in your mind. I've 100%. got... Um, a comment that I once got for an exhibition at the V&A framed at home that was something like, toilet's very smelly, but underwear excellent. <laughs> so, You're like, wow. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Career I've highlight done it. right I've here. Done it. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's brilliant. So there's two things I want to pull up on that. Okay. Um, in a moment, I want you to talk about Netta Porter mm-hmm. and then how... You yeah. get to list. Um, but before that, uh, there's the word make keeps coming up. You're interested in making. Yeah. And that's both in terms of your own practice and your role, but also it seems with the brands that you're working yep. with, like with your decorative arts, um, yep. was that that you were interested in the piece, how the things were made as much as the culture around them? Mm-hmm. When you're working with a brand today, does it matter to you, you know, the processes behind the piece or just the finished effect? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I think for me, what I <laughs> learned very early is that I have zero artistic ability. Like I did many a class where I would do like ceramics or jewelry making or sewing. I was literally the worst. I mean, I think it's the only class I would ever fail like consistently. Yeah. You know, I'd go, we called it home ec, home economics. Yeah. And uh, and I remember one of our things was to make a chef's hat and an apron and a mm. reversible tote. And I was the worst. I mean, my mom was like, for real, like this mm. is crazy. And I think so. I just had this innate like respect. Mm. Um, and I also just really love the idea of beauty in the everyday, mm-hmm. you know, and I, that's why I think I love clothes. I love fashion. I love the yeah. idea that you can be a walking art installation mm. um, about, you know, just just this concept of everyday use, you know, so ceramics, you know, the idea that this is something that not only was a, a cue, a visual cue to someone about, you know, social hierarchy, but mm. also you can use it every day. Yeah. And I think I, what that I hate duality. is the concept of someone having a, a beautiful piece and then never using it. Yeah. Like that really stresses me out. I'm like, it was made to be used. You yeah. need to use it. If it breaks, it breaks. Like you need yeah. to just, you know, really embrace that. And I think for me, why I love the decorative arts and why I was really drawn to it is I just thought I love history, but yeah. I also love the combination of history, beauty, and use, yeah. usefulness. So I'm very pragmatic, practical, but I also, gosh, you know, if I could, if I could do it in anything beautiful every day, then I would, do you yeah. know what I mean? I just think I'm, you know, this athleisure thing is pushing me over the edge. Like I can't <laughs> do it. It's really stressing me out. I think it's great to be comfy, but I just can't. So yeah. <laughs> hoping that goes away soon. But, um, so yeah, I think that's really what it is, is that mm. combination of, of kind of aesthetic and 
and use. Yeah, I, think that's I love really that important. idea of combining the two. I'm always struck by that William Morris quote that's mm. have nothing on your home that you know not to be beautiful or useful. 100%. And if it can be both, fantastic. Well, I, I didn't know that quote, but now yeah. I'm going to 100% take that as yeah. my end. Sorry, William Morris. So um, that's yeah. amazing. So that's, yeah, I, I can kind of, I can relate to that, empathize with that, where it's it's a respect for the making rather than an envy of it in a way. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's a way to kind of um, pay your dues to it, but also... I'm interested in what happens next with yep. an item. I, I want to see how it's made, but then I also want to see the, the social and the personal. And is that what drew you? Yeah, to be honest. I think there's um, quite a few dress historians or curators are mm -hmm. um, we start out wanting to be costume designers. And <laughs> I don't mean that. There are lots and lots who yeah. go straight in with the history from the word go. But personally, that was, as a teenager, I thought, fantastic, I'm going to make corsets for uh, costume dramas and then realised the practice wasn't there, but I can, uh, you know, practice what I preach instead yeah, perhaps be, and do the work the in the background yeah. and, and I love the discussion point of our subject the fact that you can everyone makes decisions about their clothes every day you don't have to explicitly yeah. be interested in fashion to, yeah. to know to know about well, and I love the idea behind this podcast of this taking an item to run a narrative yeah. I think it's genius it's such a great because <laughs> you learn so much not only about professional stuff person but it's just a great idea. I love it yeah, so much you. I've loved listening to all of them too oh, thank you I wish That's I was as funny you. as Henry Holland I'm sorry people. that guy is like next level he's no, hilarious he is, but... yeah he is absolutely brilliant no. he, yeah he's very happy you're very witty as well so. <laughs> <laughs> but that leads me through um yeah. to I also I'm kind of leaping ahead I want no, to hear please, about this please, please, but please. I also um read about your, you that you enjoy stylish people watching and that's kind yeah. of that leads through from what you've just said about the idea and yeah. this idea of um almost appreciation yeah um so yeah is that something that London particularly offers you think 100% yeah 100% so you read and the outfits as they go down yeah and it's one it brings me great joy when I you know I get out at Old Street and I'm walking down uh to go to work and just seeing what people are wearing mm. and uh and I just, I mean, I'm sure they just think, who's this maniac who's smiling at me like a crazy person? And I, if it was I'm appropriate, sorry. I would totally take pictures of everybody yeah. and be like, oh my God, I love all that. And I am one of those people, my husband is very, uh, you know, reserved British from Shropshire, like, you know, the most mm -hmm. handsome man, but also the very shy man. <laughs> and, you know, he's like always mortified. And my kids are mortified when I go out and I'm like, oh my God, I love your skirt. Oh my God, where'd you get, you know, and like, I can't be that person that's quite thinking it to myself. I do have to go up to people mm. and because I just think, well... Why hold back? I mean, yeah. what's the worst that's happened? Someone thinks you're a crazy person. Mm. I mean, I just think giving compliments, being thankful, being honest is just the only way Definitely. I can be. So, yeah. um, and understanding that clothes are a communicator. So yeah. even if in the moment your Britishness means you're thrown <laughs> by someone approaching you, yeah. actually at the end of the day it means, okay, someone's read what I was trying well, to say. Well, who doesn't want to feel appreciated yeah. <laughs> for what they thought of when they got ready yeah. to go out to work, you yeah. know? And... and you know, and I, I, yeah, I just think it's an absolute joy. And I think being in London is one of the greatest privileges ever because there's just so much to see and mm -hmm. so much creativity here. I do, I mean, I'm sorry, New York Fashion <laughs> Week and New York, and I think you're amazing, but I just think London, like if I think about all the designers I love mm -hmm. and all the, you know, just, there's just so much here. I'm yeah. so grateful. I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> UK, um, woo! <laughs> something else I noticed when I was prepping is that mm. in your Instagram images, you do a lot of outfit shots, but they're of your skirts and shoes. Is oh, that your Oh my God. Okay, first of all, it's really embarrassing because all my friends are like, uh, what's your problem? Why do you keep... Now, it, I will tell I you, it's it. not a stylist, it's okay. not a stylistic choice. Mm -hmm. It's actually a practical choice because, you know, I'm a full-time working mom in a tech startup. It's mm -hmm. like full on. Sure. And I actually do not have any time to think about how I would, you know, oh, and I think this, I mean, yeah. I'd love to be that person, but it's usually like, oh, I'm walking to work. Yeah. And, and so, 
so and I also hate getting my picture taken. So it's a combination of those two things where I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it on the way in. Yeah. It's actually a time saver. Yeah, you. So I, I love that that you think it's mm. some like you know, oh, I chose this amazing idea. It's yeah. not. It's more just like. I'm moving all yeah. the time, so I better just take this picture. Now. I, I think that's great then. That's really interesting because then it's, <laughs> it's refle reflecting lifestyle, whereas I think most uh, representations of social media are kind of abstracted because you'll someone, all these powerhouses somehow lounging on chaise longs. Well, I did it. I'm not good at realistic. Instagram. I mean, all the girls at work are just like, I mean, our head of communications, Katie Lee, many a time, you know, I'm sure she's just like, oh my God, please don't post it. Like, you know, I just am not, I'm not that great at it, but I just, and I'm not, I can't, you know, I, I never do the boomerangs. I can't do any of the stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately, yeah, it's it's just purely practical. So I'm glad that but my friends make fun of it. I have like friends from all over the world and they'll just like take pictures of their shoes and be like, Jenny. I'm like, oh God, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, so, but That's yeah. Nice. It becomes yeah. an affectionate reference point. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but I do love shoes. You can see that. So. Yeah. Um, right, I'm going to be okay. disciplined and loop back around to okay. Nessa Porter and Liz, and yep. then I think we should go on to your object. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Great. Uh, yeah, so, so how did Nessa Porter and then Liz come about? Yeah, so I've been really lucky in the sense that um, I've never been in a job where I was like, oh my God, I hate it, I have to go. I've okay. never actually actively looked for a job, which sounds really weird, um, other than maybe that Condé Nast example. Mm. Um, so actually, I was I had been at Vogue, and I got approached by a headhunter about Net-A-Porter. Mm. And I had known about Net-A-Porter because they were a client. So we had worked, you know, they had mm. done a lot of digital advertising and a lot of digital PR in the early days. Um, and so I knew who they were, and I knew some of the people because they were my client. Mm. And so the headhunter said, look, uh, Net-A-Porter is growing. Um, it would like to monetize its audience. And so it's looking for a publisher to kind of come in and create advertising opportunities. Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, that's so smart because people at that time were like, oh, it's a retailer, you know, okay. and it wasn't as big. It's not It's not what you know today, mm. right? And so the idea, I was like, God, that's so smart. Yeah. Natalie is really smart. I mean, I was <laughs> like, you know, I worked directly with her, she's amazing. Mm. And so I was really intrigued. And then I obviously met all the people and, and, and I remember going in and giving my notice to Connie Nast and saying, look, I, you know, and even some of my meetings, my last meetings, I was like, gosh, you know, I'm going to Net-A-Porter. So you probably don't want me, you probably want to put me on gardening leave. And it was so interesting because they didn't think it was a competitor at all. Really? They were like, oh no, they're a client. It's absolutely fine. And I was like, so okay. Yeah. So I had a couple meetings and it's funny, the last meetings I had at Vogue.com were my first advertisers at Net-A-Porter <laughs> because I, I was, you know, I said yeah. about being honest, like I went and I was like, guys, mm. I'm at Vogue now. So I'm talking about Vogue to you, but I am going to Net-A-Porter. And they went, oh my God, thank God. Because now I have another choice because yeah. I can only go to Vogue or Glamour, you know. Mm. And so that was really interesting. And I thought, oh, this is a good yeah. choice. This is a good move. And yeah. I already am coming in with people. Yeah. And so, yeah, I started as a publisher. I mean, again, that was a really interesting journey because um, it took about, <laughs> it took a lot of internal convincing okay. to get people. So, for example, even what you see now and with, you know, the Advent Reporter and all that mm. stuff, when I came in. There was one other person, um, amazing girl, who actually now works with Business of Fashion. She's yeah. a dream. Hi, Kizzy. And <laughs> she and I, we went in and they had had, um, all they had for advertising was they had like a digital magazine that was all in like flash. Mm. And it was, so you couldn't even really, I think they had like one ad that was like an interesting, it was like one of those crazy things. Mm. And so I came in and I was like, well, you know, and I, I remember talking to the finance director going, okay, what are the, what are your um, advertising projections? Mm. And they're like, oh, it's this. And I said, but you didn't line it up with the actual inventory mm. opportunity. So I need to have more space 
to sell things. Yeah. And it was crazy. It took. So you just noticed yeah, that. Yeah. Well, literally, number one, away. there was no sense of there's inventory available. Because, of course, they didn't really know, yeah. right? So that's what I came into. So I was publisher for a couple of years. And it was one of the craziest things because it would. I mean, I'm not going to, it was just so, I can't want to tell you so many funny things, but some of the key <laughs> ones were things like taking an ad and someone going, oh, I don't like the colors. Can you call Cody and tell them to change their global ad campaign for this fragrance? I was like, no, because mm. we're like so small to them. They're mm. not going to change it for us. Like, no, you know, these yeah, kind of things yeah, yeah. like, just oh, it doesn't fit. And I think, you know, it was a sense of at that point, you know, it was a retailer that was like, oh, but we know we could monetize this better, but the ads had to look good. Mm. I mean, I turned away so much money that like the commercial part of me was like, are you sure? And yeah. they're like, oh my God, the ad is hideous. No. Mm. And it was just this sense of like um, standard, but also yeah. really interesting because Definitely. it was not, this was like, they didn't need the, the money, you no, know, it wasn't like Vogue yeah. where it was like that fueled everything. Yeah. This was more like, oh, it's extra money in the bank. It's a good idea. Sure. So but we can keep our integrity. We'll turn, or, yeah. we'll not, and I mean, there was one point where we couldn't even take an ad if not everything, not everything that was in that ad was purchased by Holly, who's the buyer, who's mm. amazing, who's now obviously at Farfetch. And um, so things like that were crazy. I mean, it was one of those things yeah. that was just bananas. And, and so you would took, never anticipate from that, from the outside. No. And I mean, you know, precision. really clever mm. people. But I think it was that standard of like, well, we're going to do it our way, which I really yeah. appreciated and, and respected. Again, probably because of the newness. You can yeah. be that clear, have that clearer definition. And it really, it, it disciplined me to make the case to make something happen and be persistent. Mm. It took me six months to get an ad on what R was our designer A to Z page. Mm -hmm. And my friend Joe Baldwin, who's now the creative direct, digital creative director at Coach, was the creative director then. And I and she'd just be like, Jenny, no. And I'd be like, please, Joe, please just run this ad. You know? And it just, you know, to me, that was, it was really interesting. It was about the power of relationships. It was about the power of continuing to try, even though it was really hard. And it's crazy now when I look at it, because obviously now they've got this amazing magazine and this, you know, and all these opportunities in there. And, but to, at the beginning, that was like a real fight. Um, and not because people didn't think it was a good idea, but because it was going to be done in their own terms and mm -hmm. not in a way that was done elsewhere, yeah. which also was a really good lesson, right? You yeah. don't have to do it the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea of coming in going, well, at Vogue, like, you know, and, and when I remember my first ad call, I was trying to get ads from Tiffany and my first, very first call, I'll never forget it because it was really <laughs> interesting how I made the call and I was talking to this, you know, media buyer and I was like, I'm, you know, Jenny, not a pro And they went, Pret-a-Manger? And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? I'm a bug. No one knows what this is. And I think that was a lesson to me that like, just because this is where it is now isn't where it's going to be. And I think I learned more in that, in the time there than probably any other job up to that point, because yeah. I had Natalie Massonet as my boss. Um, and, and I will tell you, that is a woman who... Uh, dealt with a lot of no's, you know, sure. a lot of people going, this is crazy. Who would buy this online? Mm. And she never, ever, ever once mm. second-guessed herself. Now, I don't know if she went home and second-guessed yeah, herself sure, in, her, in her mind, but to me yeah. and in the office and when we were talking, all I saw was somebody who had single-minded vision and was like, no is not an option, mm. but in a really positive, lovely, engaging way, not a kind of scary, horrible, but just like funny and lovely and you know that experience of yeah. seeing that kind of leadership was 
really, really say, impactful. What a strength to witness. But so also, lucky. you're witnessing a part of fashion history in a way because that was such a shift for the industry. Someone 100%. being like, no, I'm ready for this. And I remember and we used to say like, yeah, and she, you know, all the investors in the early days that were like, <laughs> we, we used to joke like they would, you know, they said no, like no one will ever do that. But yet their credit card statements were coming in from their wives all yeah. the time. With this <laughs> so they're like totally proven wrong, like yeah. big time in their own pocket. <laughs> And and I think yeah I mean I was I I've you know written to Natalie recently talked to Natalie about this recently where you know all the people that worked there at that time have gone on to do the most amazing things mm. and I I was saying to her like you're part of that like mm. she made you know she made that opportunity mm. for all of us to learn and feel like anything was possible yeah and yes. you see that again where she is now and I mean you know obviously Farford's biggest fashion IPO like it's crazy so yeah, I feel really lucky yeah and I think that's something to emphasize as well it's something mm. that's come up in a few different strands of what you've spoken about but that idea of fashion networks or communities I think the industry gets such a bad rep mm. for isolation and yeah. high pressure and that can be the case and that yeah. can be the difficulty but the idea of yeah particularly you highlighted different women mm. employing different women and yeah. creating these communities yeah well, and I was lucky. When I joined, it was 500 people. When I left, it was 3,000. Wow. So it grew a lot. And, and so I had that first, I was there, did that publisher job for two years. And then I actually, um, we, we talked about this kind of building. Mm. I, in in the publisher role, I would go out and I would meet with a lot of the brands and they'd go, oh, my buyer isn't getting back to me or, oh, you know, and I realized like all these questions were coming in as we grew really quickly, mm. people didn't know where to go. And I remember talking to Alison Lonis, who's the president now, and, um, and Natalie and going, you know, hey, a lot of these vendors that we have really have a lot of questions. You know, you might want to think about creating like a team that can help them because mm. I'm getting all these questions. Obviously, I'm there to like sell the ads, yeah. but ultimately, you know, maybe you want to think about it. And they're like, that's a great idea. Why don't you do it? Like write a, a proposal. Mm. And I was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> and I remember thinking, you could do that? Yeah, like what? That and it just, coming. and that's the kind of, I think that mentality. And I mm. think that will, that only happens with, you know, visionary leaders. Yeah, sure. Like Alison and Natalie, but also it only happens, I think, tech has a very specific way of just, well, it's all new, so let's just try it because we don't yeah. know until we do it. And that was a real revelation to me too. Like, oh, if I want to do something, I can just do it. There yeah. isn't like a template. There yeah. isn't um, a rule. Yeah. And that was quite, you know, a really a revelation for me. And so I did that. And then I created this team. And, uh, you know, we had, we had like two other people. And it was almost like a startup within a business. And yeah. I would say that was very similar with Vogue.com, you know, mm -hmm. startup within a bigger business. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I've always had this like, you know, scrappy kind of, okay, we'll put the show on right here kind of thing. Sure. And um, and that was super fun. So in that role, so it was, um, I was what, group head of brand relations. And effectively, my job was to be customer care for the 650 brands that we sold on Outnet, Mr. Porter, and Net Porte. Mm -hmm. And and I will tell you, it was like amazing, you know, everything from creating a database to communication programs to just, you know, when people needed something and like, for example, we were doing all these amazing editorials, but we weren't telling any of the brands about mm -hmm. it. So we were kept track of credits, like went in and, and yeah. we did things like, we tried to be very tailored to each brand. So we would take the magazine credits that we would give them and then send them the translated version. If it was a French brand, I'd send mm. them the French version. Cause I thought, well, if I'm French, obviously you can speak English, yeah. but I want you to see it in your, in own, your own language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so it was the idea of like thinking about being empathetic about what they would like to see, what they're interested in okay. working with the editor. So that was, that was really fun. Yeah. And it's funny the other night I was at a an event and I met a woman who's now in that team because it's obviously continued on mm. since I left and she was like oh my god we're still doing everything that you started and I can't tell you the joy that that brought <laughs> yeah. to me because I was like I knew it was a great idea yeah. but I'm so happy it lives on yeah. and um 
and it was just it was absolutely fantastic and yeah. super fun and I mean working across um you know every person and what really was interesting to me was the whole idea of a holistic relationship with a brand mm. so historically uh you know the relationship with net would be the buyer and the wholesale seller mm -hmm. but my idea the pitch was that you know, we actually need to have a holistic 360 relationship because actually every part of that business is going to be touched by what we're doing. So sure. actually we should be talking to PR, yeah. talking to social, we should talk to the CEO, mm -hmm. we should talk to the commercial director. Mm -hmm. We should really be ensuring that this relationship is not a wholesale relationship. Mm. We're bigger than that. We're not just a retailer. We're actually mm. a media business. Yeah. And that was very different at the time yeah. people weren't thinking like that so that was really fun yeah that's fantastic I think yeah that I can imagine that being arguably more exciting and more fun just in a day-to-day -day way but also it's 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 more of an investment it's a longer term commitment because then who as teams and roles shift and ideas shift at that brand you, yeah. you've still got several feet in the door but you've also got a meaningful connection with them I suppose yeah and it's a lot of you know what it really forces you to do is hone your uh, diplomatic skills mm -hmm. because if you have a problem if a, if a brand calls me like this is horrible this is really bothering me I had to really do the internal yeah wrangling to get the answer or yeah. to get the solution or to you know yeah beg borrow steal you know really like it was important that people understood uh you know why it was important mm. and what the repercussions were and you know, so it was it was a really fun, interesting, amazing job. And again, mm. you know, something that I was really happy in. Um, but the only and the only reason I left was because I um, had been at an event and I met this amazing woman who was like, oh, you know, our CEO, you know, founded this company would really love to see you know, you list. And I remember, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I love meeting people. I love talking to people. And I remember going to the person that was in our marketing team who worked with those relationships with List because another person's List uh, partner. Mm. Um, and I remember saying to him, like, what do you know about List? Like, mm. I don't know much about it. And he said, well, you know what? It's not our biggest partner, but it's our fastest growing and it's the coolest and it's the one we like the best. And uh -huh. I remember thinking, oh, that's all yeah. good. I would definitely like cool and like the best. So I, and I went and met um, Chris Morton, who's mm -hmm. the founder of List, who is just one of the smartest people I've ever met in my whole life uh -huh. and very young. Um, so he started the company when he was, I think, 27, 28. Wow. He'd come from that's venture capital background, physics major, really bright guy. And, you know, not fashion. Mm. And we had a couple, you know, I sort of came in really thinking, this is a really interesting idea. I would love to meet you and, and talk about I had no, I didn't think about a job. I wasn't even in that space. I was yeah. more just like, you're a partner. Of course, I'll help you. And he was asking me a lot, like, how do I build this up? What do you think? Would you do it this way? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So we had a three-hour chat, which mm. you can tell now. I mean, I'm super chatty, so that was <laughs> easy. But, like, I was just, I remember thinking, God, that was really interesting. What a, yeah. what a, what a really clever guy and what a great idea and you know then you know by that we had like a din they had a dinner with some of their investors and some of their brands and you know, had a really nice time and then you know I had another couple chats and I just remember thinking this is the best idea this is mm. the future of how people will buy this is like the future of fashion I can mm -hmm. tell it I can feel it you know we talked about that calling yeah and, and at that point, I was already hooked. Like, I didn't even know there yeah. was a job. And then he was like, hey, I know you're really happy. I know you love it. But, and I was like, yes, I'm totally <laughs> done. So it was, it was one of those things that just was kind of no question. Mm. Um, and, of course, that said, I had, you know, the startup thing. I had no idea. Mm. And I never worked directly with uh, engineers so closely. So now, you know, within my team, I've got, you know, amazing uh, front-end engineers, back-end engineers, um, data scientists, like, and it has honestly been the greatest joy of my life to get mm. to work with these people because they look at things differently. 
And I remember there was a lot of, you know, in other jobs I'd had, there was very much like, oh, the tech guys are this. And they're always guys, which is weird because I actually have a, a female VP head of engineering who's mm. the dream. <laughs> and, you know, and it was always this sense of like, oh, they're this, they're that. And I remember thinking that's a bit weird. Yeah. You know, that's a bit kind of siloing someone into something. And, and I have not found that to be the case at mm. all. I have found it has been, I've probably learned the most in this job about the importance of diversity of thought, diversity of people, and how if you get actually a lot of different opinions and different approaches, you will have the most mm. successful outcome. Mm. I mean, you hear that a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it's I've seen it. I've yeah. actually seen it in numbers. I've seen it commercially work. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's really you seem fun. to be drawn to letting people almost lead with their own expertise and kind of respecting the different portions. Yeah, and I think you can't just have one way of looking yeah. at it. I mean, I certainly have an opinion and a view, as anybody at List will tell you. But like, <laughs> I will. I'm also very open to the fact that my way is not always the only way. Mm -hmm. I often would like it to be the only way, but that's not how things work, you know. And I think ultimately it's really important that you open yourself up to, you know, to different views. And I think it's really interesting. I think if you're someone, you know, I think sometimes if people are in jobs, these very senior roles, the thing that catches them out is the fear of looking foolish or the okay. fear of not being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And the truth is no one can know everything. And yeah. I remember Natalie saying that, like, you know, um, we went and did a, a talk at, uh, she did a talk in, at Burberry to the strategic team. And I remember her saying, look, the barista that gave you your coffee today is probably thinking of an idea that mm. will be disrupting everything that you're doing now. So this concept of you need to be open to the fact that you don't know everything and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're bringing something to the table, but if you if you don't allow yourself or you even, you know, manage your team or lead in a very dictatorial way, yeah. you're just not going to, you're just going to be very unhappy and yeah. you're just going to be stressed all the time yeah. because the, the pace of change is everywhere and you need yeah. to kind of go with it or Absolutely. just freak out and leave. Yeah. So it probably isolates you from your team, but also from your passion and process. Well, so. I mean, there's, you know, nothing good comes from fear. I've, what mm. I've seen in work is that when you see the worst behavior, it comes because people are scared. Yeah. And actually... That's normal. That's human nature. Mm. But kind of get over it because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because every you know everything is you know you have to just keep moving, evolving, mm. learning, and or you're just gonna be fearful all the time of like oh, what if somebody figures out I don't know anything about that. Oh, what if you know? Yeah. And I think it's been a real uh, delight for me because even in my job, you know, I'm, I was the first person to at list. So I started as like a VP level and got promoted into the C-suite. So first woman, first person mm. promoted internally. It's quite scary. Yeah, you know, it's a jump. Yeah. And what has been the greatest joy for me is that is having a, a, a leader, a boss who I can go to and say, I don't know how to do this thing. I'm terrified. And he'd be like, don't worry. Here's how you yeah. do it. You know, and it's, you don't have to, blush. that makes a lot. Yeah. I don't yeah. have to fake it. I don't yeah. have to be terrified. And I do feel a bit, but I'm like, I shouldn't know how to do this by now. But I think it's really no, important. But you've just stated yourself about not being afraid of the evolution. So there will be, be you know, the very nature of newness means there will be new things. For yeah. You to but I think you're going to get the best work out of people yeah. when you create an environment where you're not scared to yeah. say oh hands up I don't actually know how to do this because of course you can learn it mm. I mean, you can, people can learn anything yeah um, but I think it's uh, it's just really important and I think that's something that you certainly see in the tech and startup community this concept of you know it's really important that you create this place this safe space for people to kind of grow and learn mm. but also to give 
clarity and direction because also you don't want to be like sure whatever you want yeah, and then people like I don't people like yeah. you know it's like with kids they like structure they like mm. rules but you also don't want to have it be so scary that so people are like oh, what's going to happen to me now you yeah know? so yeah it's interesting There's a lot for team members and team leaders to learn from in that I think yeah. <laughs> so um, so from there I want to start moving on to the object but I kind mm-hmm. of want to take a little loop back first of all mm-hmm. um quite often when I've invited people in um guests for this series uh, they've been a bit intimidated by the word object and we've kind of spoken about because <laughs> it's quite an academic or a museum mm-hmm. term and mm-hmm. um, so I've sort of spoken about prod- fashion product and the idea of a piece from mm-hmm. your wardrobe or your work then being transformed into an object an object mm-hmm. being object of study object mm-hmm. of perfection etc and mm-hmm. um, with you I felt like preaching to the converted you were already on board do you mm-hmm. think that's because of that um past interest in curatorial work or do you think it's because of the way that you've said you socially just as a hobby read fashion and people did object bother you as a term I suppose I'm asking no I don't really think so although that said you did feel that pressure so I think my original choice is different from what I ended up going with so my original I think maybe there was that sense of like oh I have to be really grand yeah. here I have to be like on a shelf museum type object um, so I originally was thinking, uh, you know, because I've got um, this Chanel bag that I bought when I was at Condé Nast. Oh. And, and I remember, you know, just because I was pregnant with my second daughter and I just thought, oh, I have to, have to you know, this this like sense of, you know, oh, I've arrived. I've got this amazing yeah. iconic thing. And so I thought, oh, that's a good one because it also picks together all the yeah, work experience and them as a client. And it, and, but then I was kind of like, but that's kind of, I don't know if, if I, if I was trying to express myself as a person that's mm-hmm. not the object I think personifies me as mm-hmm. a like you know my sort of oh god I sound really weird but like essence, you know that kind yeah, of essence absolutely. of who I am it's, yeah and that's and more like a uh, an iconic yeah beautiful but no one would go oh Jenny's a schnob sure. <laughs> like, you know because I'm yeah it's loud mark, yeah. And, you know I'm not iconic or anything but I think that it's funny that you it it I think it must have intimidated me yeah. somehow because yeah, I felt that sense of like, oh, I should go for this thing. Yeah, well, I think that's what I'm enjoying with the brief is people can go mm. in very different directions. Yeah. So either people are going, um, well, I guess it's a little bit like Desert Island Discs. People yeah, either go yeah. for an overview or for a description of their taste and experience or they go for markers of different points in their life. Yeah. And I suppose the Chanel bag would have been a marker of a particular period, whereas yeah. maybe you thought of doing it more connected to your person. Well, so yeah. with that in mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, could you please describe your objects? Okay, so <laughs> I've got a, um, I don't know what you'd call this, bubblegum pink, mm-hmm. all sequin preen skirt from a couple of years ago. And I'm going to have to like make the noise because yes. it's really loud. Do you hear this? this is, <laughs> so when I walk down the street, not only do I blind people, I'm very loud and you can hear me coming. And the Incredible. reason I chose it is I thought, well, this is very me. You know, I like things that are special and unique. And I also am really drawn to um, British designers. Mm-hmm. And I particularly love uh, designers who are friendly and kind mm-hmm. and nice. I mean, those are, that's kind of my vibe. And I'd rather yeah. give my money to somebody that I like. Sure. So, you know, the Erdans, the Christopher Kate, like, you mm-hmm. know, Joseph Altazar, who's American, but sort of Parisian. Like when I think about where I want to spend my money and I think about special like is it unique will Mm. people go oh my god I love it so you know I really want it to be special yeah and I also um love like the moral compass of people so Mm. I actually like to support people you know who I believe in and I think are not only creative but kind and good to the world I think that's just me and then also it's British and I'm very Anglophile I mean I've been in London 20 years you know my kids have Cockney accents, which I never thought would happen in a thousand years. So I felt like this is probably a good yeah. a good representation. And I also like the idea, you you know, of um, I don't know, like bringing 
joy, bringing light, mm-hmm. bringing, you know, levity to things because that's definitely my personality. I mm-hmm. very much believe in positivity. Um, I was a cheerleader and head of pup club for sure. <laughs> Not shocked people Excellent. that know me. Um, but I just love this one. And I feel like um, when I wear it, people come up to me mm. and say, oh, my God, I love it. And I, it just makes me so happy every time. And yeah. I love that I wear it sometimes with, like, a sweatshirt or sometimes, you know. And I can wear it all year round. Yeah. So it's practical. I mean, it is a bit ridiculous. You can imagine in my office where everyone's wearing, like, you know, a variety of things. But I remember when I first joined List and the team was like, you're going to be wearing Converse's before you know it. I was like, mm, no. And you can hear me on the stairs. It's like a five-story building mm. and the white cube was like, dunk, 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 dunk. So <laughs> it's loud as well, which yeah. I'm loud um, for sure. My dad calls me mouth of the south, which is <laughs> a bit mean, but for probably on point. Surely said with affection. Uh, yeah, definitely with affection, but definitely not wrong. Yeah. As, as anybody at List and Netaporte and Condé Nast can tell you. But um, yeah, so I just... I sort of, you know, and I'm wearing it, so you know I love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to say that you're the first guest we've had who's worn their <laughs> object, which I love, yeah. which I think links back to your idea as fashion communicator, but also you said about how with the decorative arts, you want you want things that are both beautiful and useful mm-hmm. um, and that things shouldn't be locked away in a yeah. cupboard or a collection. Because I was going to ask you about whether mm-hmm. you collect anything, but I, I, I like the idea that the object you've brought in is something that means that much to you and carries mm. and communicates that much, yeah. but also you get a buzz every time you wear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's part of the experience. I also liked what you said um, about the importance of the designer behind mm. it. So we spoke about the importance of the maker, yeah. but also that idea of the designer. I kind of mm. like the idea that you're a, through being working with partnerships, yeah. you're a fashion industry diplomat. Um, and what you, <laughs> I guess. And what wow, you're that's very grand and exciting. And what, quick, get it on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, I'm totally changing my profile now. But what you're wearing is it's partly for the personal resonance and yeah. getting the people coming up in the street, but it's also because of that significance of the person behind it. Yeah. And that's yeah. quite, um, that's a nice, there's been a lot of duality in the things mm-hmm. you're saying. That's mm-hmm. a nice balance to be striking. Yeah, um. no, it's true. <laughs> and it's funny that it's, it's sound, this is going to sound really petty and horrible, but there are certain brands I won't wear mm. because for example if they don't have an e-commerce site I'm like I can't I can't yeah. handle it like there's certain holdouts here and there and I'm just like no I'll never have that thing yeah. or you know I just get this weird like grudge about like come on yeah. it's the internet it's 2018 let's yeah. get our grip you know so I'll hold your hand and help yeah you and if I know for a fact from people that someone's not nice to their team or something mm. I, I just I'm like no I don't I don't really you know subscribe to that so so yeah it's been interesting I think that's fascinating and I think that's probably a little that you get from the side of the industry that you see because mm. sometimes when you speak I, I like that idea of responsibility within the industry um mm. but a lot of the time that will be in reference to things like sustainability mm-hmm. and the kind of background and production and that is unequivocally very very important yeah but I don't think I've ever interviewed someone mm. who said um I won't buy it if they're not nice to their team there's a kind of mm. underwritten you know, we spoke earlier about yep. how nice, it, like, how great I thought it was that you were highlighting different communities that you and previous bosses have built. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an underwritten part of the industry that relies on, <laughs> I'd say, cruelty to interns and things yeah, like that. Yeah, which is bananas. Which is, yeah, which well, is, and, yeah. and you know what I say to my team all the time? I'm like, you know, my intern will be my boss in like mm. probably five years. So <laughs> come on, like, yeah. be, you know, just, it's just, it's not only... Um, just the right thing to do. Mm. It's really unwise mm. to just be ridiculous it's like that. It's very short-sighted, very uh, old. It's mm. very not modern. You know, it sounds really silly, but like the idea of being, uh, you know, so full of yourself that you feel that you're better than someone else mm. is crazy. I, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I have to share this quote because I thought it was really interesting. Um, so Oprah does this really interesting podcast, and she does these. She's done one of a, called Masterclass, and there's one 
where Justin Timberlake was talking about when he first started to be successful. And his mom said, don't ever think you're better than someone else because mm. you're not. You mm. have this amazing talent and that's great. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're better than someone else. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I definitely was raised in an environment where, you know, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, there's always going to be somebody smarter than you and there's mm. always going to be somebody less smart than you and you just need to do the best for you yeah and then you you'll find your way yeah, you know yeah take responsibility for yourself but also understand your place within a team and community yeah and the truth is there is not one successful person that could do it all by themselves yeah. that's just like crazy to even yeah. imagine and and i think you know any success that I've ever had in my work or in my personal life has been part of a partnership and mm -hmm. part of like a collaborative effort across many, many people. Yeah. And that's just the truth, you yeah. know? And I think anybody that's kind of like, oh, and I saw this and it's amazing and I'm so great is crazy because yeah. that's totally not true. And I'm sure their team is like, you're the worst. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody is different, but for me, that's, um, that's definitely been my own philosophy. So. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think it's great to hear that from an industry perspective. I always note very quickly when a designer says we rather than I, like I interviewed Charles Jeffrey mm. and he always says we, and I really mm. admire that, 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 yeah, that acknowledgement of the level of work and the number of hands that a piece has gone through. Like yeah. Here in the archives, I tried to collect the full fashion cycle so we can yeah. go through from concept to design to production to promotion to press to the personal. Oh. You think the number of people that 100%. have had the story and the number of people that have already contributed to that garment before it comes to you and well and what's really was really fascinating about my time at Net-A-Porter um, was also seeing that ebb and flow of popularity even commercially like mm. you know oh the buyers bought this one season and they hated it the next and how that sort of fickleness of fashion can happen and I think one of the things that's really tricky for a designer um, is number one, you're being told all the time you're amazing. You're, mm. you know, you people around you are being yes people to you, yeah. right? And I, I saw the um, McQueen documentary mm. recently, which was God so good. That, I mean, amazing. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's you would love yeah. it. It's amazing. <laughs> and there's a bit in it where he talks about his team, you know, and there's kind of like East London, cool, you know, Hoxton Square word mm. list is now, which yeah. also blows my mind. <laughs> and we go in so and and he talks about Givenchy and how they went down and they said, where does everybody eat? And they said, oh, well, you know, the designer can't you can't eat with the with mm. the um, atelier and everything and and he just went down and he was like that's crazy yeah. and the whole idea of this uh revered nature mm. of this designer and there's just so much pressure on these people mm. and uh and it's sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy and I think what I really am glad that I saw was how you could be up one second and down the next mm. and I think that's very hard if you're used to if you've been on that you know hot new thing trajectory and then yeah. you're not anymore yeah absolutely. and how do you sustain that yeah, the loss you know of, yeah the loss of adrenaline but then still having to meet the fashion and, and I think season. that's that's the interesting thing is that if you're true to yourself if you have your family you know uh you know Christopher K like surrounding mm. himself with family being true to himself Somebody like that, yeah. when things go up and down, you can you can weather that yeah. because you've actually got this support system that has, they don't care that you're this amazing designer that people just, mm. you know, are like, oh, you're so talented. They're just like, you're, yeah. you're you, you know? And I think it's really important um, for these people. There was a great um, article today in the New York Times about fashion designers who 
are not fashion designers anymore. So Alvaro Alves, Jenna Lyons, and what are they doing now? Yeah. And it was so, every oh, single one of them sounds so happy. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's like they're it's out bizarre. of it. They're I out actually, of the rat race. Yeah. I actually sent a friend a link this morning to uh, the Refinery29 um, podcast because Jenna was on it. Yes, mm. They released an episode yesterday and she's, I, I thought it was amazing how candid she was about how happy she is to Yeah. Now. And she's really, really honest within it about things like, um, reconnecting with her son and things like that, yeah. and, and it's and I think it's fascinating in the age of social media and, yeah. and coming back around to the digital, where we're presented such a particular image of the industry yeah. and the particularly highlighted individuals within. And it. again, she's a really nice person too. Yeah, so. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I space. just think it's uh, I don't know. I guess the whole point is that things change, and yeah. you need to be able to change with them. And don't I guess just don't believe the hype. Even yeah. even you know in any job, if you're somewhere and you. Um, you really are, you know, you're just like, you're associating yourself so much with this veneer of like, you know, who I am, you know, it's, it's too wrapped up into that. Yeah. You just never, because it will change, you know, things can't be the hot new thing forever. No. That's no. kind of how fashion exactly. lives and moves Again, and, newness has to and, and just kind of regenerates itself, which is what makes it a real joy. Mm. But also you just need to be aware that, you know, you can't, you can't keep it up. You got to just always be true to yourself or yeah. you're just going to end in you know tears I think yeah absolutely so two running threads there yeah. were kind of uh integrity and mm. meaningful connections mm. and and so yeah. Yeah. you've chosen Preen so is Preen yeah. a brand that you feel particularly connected yeah to yeah I mean I think uh Justin and Thea are like super cute couple mm. love it and I just yeah I mean you know they've been doing it a long time mm. it's you know and I don't know they've I just paid their dues. <laughs> yeah they've totally paid their dues and I just think it's their the designs are great they're really mm unique and no one else can I don't know I just really feel like for this one you know, it was just a real showstopper I felt and I just mm. think yeah they're super creative and really thoughtful and even their homeware is really interesting so yeah I mean yeah absolutely big yeah big fan I think they're clever as well because the piece you've chosen and I'm gonna have to put a picture up of the podcast because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's glorious um it's it has it packs such a punch and it's got mm. such an impact but it's also in a way timeless because of the mm. cut of it and the yeah. scale of embellishment if there was kind of uh, another form of adornment or print work in print, there. Yeah, it might, dated. Yeah, it yeah. might not carry, but this you can continue. It's to also end. very heavy, and yeah. um, and my <laughs> kids are always yeah. like, I remember when I, you know, when I walk out, my daughter's like, oh god, are you wearing that outside? Like they're always just mortified. <laughs> like they're like, oh god, what's going on? What's she gonna wear today? But, uh, yeah, but they'll they'll remember. You know that that memory will change as their feelings. Yeah, now my like, daughter yeah. almost is at my shoe size. I'm a little bit terrified. She's 11, and I'm like, uh oh, I think all these <laughs> shoes are gonna. Who knows where they're gonna end up? But yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's quite so funny. There you go as we go along. Yeah, exactly. Something else that you've highlighted with mm -hmm. it that I'm drawn by is the kind of physicality. So you've just mm -hmm. said there about mm -hmm. the experience and the weight of it. And mm -hmm. that in a way is the weight of it is quite interesting because it's quite old fashioned in, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, we've kind of worked to streamlining and having yeah. less layers. So yeah. there's something quite brave and bold about wearing something heavy now. But also, I like the idea of. Um, the, that affecting the way that it moves and therefore you move and yeah. the impact it makes on you and your surroundings. Yeah, it and does really swish around and yeah. I normally have like music on while I'm yeah. I feel like I'm in my own little music video. I was so say, it's quite it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, and it's even when I wear it, and I, it's funny when I go into work later on today, people will hear me come yeah. in and they're all like, oh God, this is the loud skirt, you know, but it's, um, yeah, yeah I, I love it. That's great because it, cause it affects you personally in terms of your disposition and mood, but also in terms of your deportment. And then mm -hmm. it has that carry on effect to, those around you I think it's really interesting I think that's always underestimated with fashion because mm. a lot of the time with historical fashion people just think about the um the impracticalities mm. or the visual impact so say if yeah. you're talking about 
of 18th century yeah. women's wear, if you're talking about like a court mantua, which mm. are the really wide hooped yeah. skirts. People say, well, how did they get through the door? How did they get carriages? And that's yeah. a really interesting side of the story. Yeah. But what they don't know is that that completely changes the way that you stand, yeah. the way that you breathe, the way that you walk, yeah. the fact that you're physically taking up space in public. Yeah. Like, there's another side of fashion that's that it's about... Mm, it's not just visuals it's it's yeah. movement and interaction with space um which i think is really really fascinating it's something that's hard as a curator to capture because yeah. once something becomes an object in a collection yeah it's not going to be worn again it's not going to interact with the person yeah. surrounding so but you it's funny because you touched on it earlier about costume design mm. and there was a an interview i heard with um Jane Lynch, who you know used to be on yeah. Glee, and she's in the um, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, oh. and the costume. She's saying that the costume designers do, um, you know, and it's amazing, like you know, fifties. Which, by the way, if I could go back in time and live <laughs> anywhere, it'd be nineteen fifty six, and I'd be wearing Dior like all the time. Yeah. That's definitely my jam. <laughs> but um, she was saying that the costume designer was hand stitching the labels that said, you know, Ms. Lynch, and she mm. said even just having that construction and tailoring just made her mind yeah. go to that idea of. You know, just oh, I can now I can be this character and I yeah. feel it because it's created in that way that it would have been created. And yeah, that's exactly. Amazing. That kind of personal investment in the yeah. piece, and that's in a sense what what happens with the skirt as well. Mm. It's imbued with that connection to that brand and those people. And I thought it was really striking that when I asked you what, uh, you know, what why preen in a way, the first mm. thing you said was their relationship with each other. Yeah. So that's part of what kind of um, yeah. Maybe it's just like support. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's you know I don't I haven't really thought about it, but it's um. Uh, maybe I'm just drawn to that sense of like, yeah, you talked about community earlier mm. and just like supporting each other and kind of in it together. Maybe yeah. that's part of it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And I hope they feel rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love your skirt. <laughs> um, so from there, I was interested in, we've spoken a lot about partnerships and, mm -hmm. and community and communication almost by accident mm -hmm. um which is a real joy since that's your job yeah <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> I guess it's I'm in the right place yeah it's exactly. probably a good one <laughs> sometimes I feel like it's a, a sort of uh counseling session on someone's career and then they go yeah. actually yeah I can map out those yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um but you're the first guest we've had who kind of works explicitly from that perspective mm. we've really explained how it fits into the wider network that I'm uh, all kind of structure of fashion yeah. but because you're my first guest working from that business and partnership perspective yeah. could you kind of pitch why that's so important to the industry please why having strong relationships yeah. is yeah. important yeah and your kind of your role and aspect that you've you've yeah. spoken really clearly about why they now support and yeah. then realize that they needed it yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. but yeah kind of within a wider thing. Yeah, and I think maybe it's speaking to the fact that, you know, what we're doing is new. So mm. I think the idea of trust is really important. Um, and I think one of the, the great joys in this job is that what we are doing is driving business growth yeah. for people. You know, so you talk about a practical level. Yeah. It's great to talk about design and creativity, but ultimately this is a business yeah. and people need to make money. Absolutely. And what I love about List is that not only from a customer perspective, does it bring you that joy mm. of, you know, what what I love about it is this concept of, you know, when you're looking for something and you find it and you have this like heart thumping, like, oh, you know, the thrill <laughs> of that, that is actually what we're trying to yeah. deliver as a, as a brand and as a business, that sense of like, I didn't know yeah. and I have it and it's, oh, it's amazing. amazing. And, and, you know, let's, you know, help me get to this point. Yeah. You're the thrill and of the chase. Yeah. Thrill of the chase a hundred percent. And just that kind of like, oh, you know, that, cause I have it like pretty much every day, you know, <laughs> and there's so many places to be inspired now, you know, and you said people on the street, Instagram, I see so many things I want more mm. than I ever did before. So I need lists more than ever. And I'm yeah. doing searches all the time. So that's been really great. But on a business perspective, what we do for partners is we help grow 
their mm. revenue. That's super important. Yeah. We drive traffic to their website because what happens is you come to us and then you go on to the other site to do the transaction mm -hmm. because people feel comfortable, you know, like I might want to buy from Liberty because yeah. I get my loyalty points or I buy from, you know, Net-A-Porter because I love it or matches, whatever. Um, and I think what we're doing for, for our partners is we're helping them grow. We're giving them new customers and we're able to kind of create tools that allow them to be the best that they can be. Yeah. So one of the things I'm really excited about, we've only just built it and we tested it the last quarter. Now we're going live mm, in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. which is where our brand partners can target their visibility on list um, based on product category and designer. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I want to push dresses because I've got more of a dress collection or yeah. I want to push this designer because this is something where I'm seeing lots of traction, it allows them to tailor what people will be seeing. Um, right. So obviously there's an algorithm based on yeah. a variety of factors, but and there has to be constraints to make sure that you know customers are not seeing, you know, they need to see things that are relevant to mm -hmm. their search. But I think what we're always thinking about is how can we help the partner grow? How can we think differently about what they need and listen? You know, a lot of it is listening, yeah. like, what do you care about? What are you interested in? They're like, oh, well, this is really important to me, or we're launching this collection. What can we do? And it's really interesting how there has been, I think, historically a sense of things that people want that are kind of known, which is like, you know, people want email homepage, things that are like yeah. easy to, to see. Yeah. Things and that I used to sell a lot. Like, yeah. And it's funny now that everyone wants it. And I'm like, you didn't want it like 20 years ago, but it's <laughs> fine. And, and I think it's really interesting to explain that what we try and do is say, okay, let me give you something that's actually going to move the needle for you because mm -hmm. that's the best thing. You know, yeah. if I can make an impact for you, then you're going to be continuing this relationship. So the, the importance of having that communication, the importance of making sure you're getting to the right people, the importance of letting them know the value of what you're yeah. offering is super crucial to our business success. Sure. But it's also really fun to be able to, you know, to really be providing an opportunity for people to grow, mm. you know. So that's been a real joy. And it's it's not an easy job because no. there's a lot of volume and lots of moving parts and, you know, you're dealing with technology and there's lots of lots of things to deal with. But I think what's great about it is that I know for a fact that I'm helping someone, you know, get to the growth that they need to get to yeah. continue to do what they want to do and to continue to, to buy beautiful clothes that I want to buy. And, you know, yeah. so it's, and what I love, what I love, love, love about this so much is that it's not just one category. It's not just luxury yeah. or it's not just mass. Is, so you've yeah, got, we work so with ASOS, yeah. Forever 21, Topshop, yeah. as well as Saint Laurent, Valentino, yeah. Net-a-Porter, Farfetch, yeah, you know, we work with the thing. whole gamut. And mm. for me, my job is to say, who has the fashion that my customer wants? And it could be anybody, Yeah, you know? Um, so there's just a lot of really interesting, you know, it could be a small boutique. We have Everlane, we have Reformation, we have, you know, just like small brands, big brands. Yeah. But the whole idea is that we're not dictating to you what fashion is or yeah. what you should like. I just want to make sure I have everything. Because yeah. if you're a search engine, you're Spotify and you don't have half the music. What's sure. the point of using it? So for List, we need to have mm. the full gamut of opportunity. And that's what I think is different. You know, there's a lot of people that are cornering, say, luxury or like yeah. super fast fashion. And for us, it's it's the idea of the breadth of fashion. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And I love that I'm not telling you. You know, you're 20 years old, you're so not going to be buying a very expensive cream skirt, but yeah. that's okay because we've got other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that I really like, yeah. that like non-judgy, exactly. non again, you're not dictatorial, yeah. but it's also very hard to explain that to people, like mm. we're everything, you know, because 
the brand messaging is hard to get across because yeah, there's about imagine. 12 things you want to tell people, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And and maybe some of those brands wouldn't naturally be bedfellows in another, another avenue. Route. Yeah, that's a really interesting mm. one because they're used to this environment where it's like a store and like, you know, okay, I'm in Selfridges and this is my designer floor and this is my fast fashion floor. And mm. this is, so this concept of segmentation is yeah. very important. And I think one of the challenges we had when I first came to the list was, luxury brands going but wait I'm going to be next to this or I'm going to be next to that and I was like you need to be at peace with that because actually this is based on the customer and what the customer wants and what they're looking for and you actually can't control that it's like imagine I'm in a mall just because they're buying from Gucci doesn't mean they're not going to go to M&S like it's just a bit changing your mind and that takes a while right because of course people have built these beautiful amazing brands they spend billions in advertising Mm. they need it to be right but I just think the only way you're going to win is if you think about the customer and what they care about. And they don't really care about that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's your role. So the partnership isn't only with the brands and your mm, internal team, it's with the customer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what makes it super fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, I think that would be a great note to end on. We're going to ask one, <laughs> one more question. Okay. If that's okay. Um, so you've really brilliantly sold the importance of that aspect of the industry to me. Um, as a curator and mm-hmm. here in the archives and collections at LCS, um, my difficulty and my interest is I want to capture the full fashion cycle and I don't know how to collect what you do in that aspect. What would I your know. insider's advice be on, on capturing that mechanism? You mean if you were going to choose an object that represented yeah. what list is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you can either do oh, it as what list that's is. Such or a great question. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I thought of this more carefully. Sorry, I should have thought of it. That's a great, that's like the most amazing question. <laughs> God, could it could be like a giant? <laughs> I'm like, what could it be? Could it be like a giant? L.L. Bean boat and tote bag, which is like one of also mm. my iconic favorite things in the world because it's durable but practical and awesome and a design classic. But yeah. also holding, a, like I would then put in a Chanel bag and a Topshop jean yeah. and I, I would literally just take items from all price points and all brands from all countries yeah. because List is global, mm. um, we have everything, biggest inventory for fashion in mm-hmm. the world. I would throw in all of this into this boat and tote. So you've got that because most of our business is in the US, even though we're a British company. Mm. So I would, that's what I would do. I would put a boat and tote on a beautiful display with like a rainbow carousel of all (laughs) the things from like low to high. And then I would probably have to put some sort of like computer behind it to talk about the data science and the technology. Like it'd have to be some sort of visual representation. Although obviously in like, Five years, it would look really embarrassing because it would look super dated. Like when I show my kids oh, we can our iMac, updating. they're like really yeah. embarrassed. Like, oh my god, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so I would do something like yeah. that. But God, I wish I was more creative. I could have thought of something. No, I think really that's cool. wonderful because one, it demonstrates the sheer variety. Two, you're mm-hmm. kind of hinting at the relationships involved, and three, you've not ignored that importance of the tech and the data. So you've just done your first bit of curatorial oh, work. Well, come, maybe you can give me a job. I'm pretty busy now, but I'd love to come and help you. That'd be yeah. amazing. This exhibition of the future. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for thank joining you. me thank Jenny. you it was Susanna. So interesting to talk to you and thank you all for listening <laughs>